Father God, Lord, we just come to you this morning, God, just, God, just humbled, Lord. How can it be, God? That song is just a remedy, God, just uh, playing over and over again in my soul, God, in my heart. God, how can it be, God, that you would love us so much so to send your one and only son, Jesus, to live a perfect life, God, to be the ransom, God, for our debt, for our payment. God, I just uh, pray this morning, God, as we have sung to you, Lord God, that we would preach about you, Father. And God, I pray that hearts would be changed this morning, God. Lord, does anyone that came in this morning, God, with their head down, God, I pray you would lift their eyes this morning, God. Let it remind them, God, to look to the hills, to remind them, God, where their help comes from. It comes from you, God, our rock and our Savior. God, I just pray, Lord, if there's anyone down and depressed, God, that you would lift their head, God, and remind them, God, that if you are for us, then nobody can be against us, Father. God, we pray, God, in the name of Jesus this morning, God, that there would be life change this morning. God, that we would not leave here, God, the same people that we walked in, God, but we would leave here changed individuals, God, leaving, God, going into a lost and a broken and a destroyed world, God, with the hope of the gospel. God, to preach to all creation, every creature, God, everybody deserves to hear about the name of Jesus. So, God, I just lift up, God, people this morning, God, who are, whose hearts, God, are, are heavy, God, having difficulties at home, God, or difficulties in their family or their marriage or their finances or school. God, I lift them up to you, Father, that you would touch them in a mighty way, God, and remind them, Father, that you are for them and, God, that no one can be against them. God, we love you. We thank you for loving us, God. This is your message. This is your service. This is your church. And, God, we are your people. So, God, I pray, Lord, that we would bless you, God, in a small way, God, as much as you have blessed us, God. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, someone say amen. Amen. I meant to grab a cup of water. If someone does not mind giving me a cup of water, that would be fantastic. As my dad says, my mouth is so dry I could spit a bale of cotton. So um, that's just how it is. How many times during the week, I want you to think about this for a second. How many times during the week do you have people come up and talk to you and share, and people share, they engage in a conversation with you, they, they share about their struggles, they share about their difficulties, they share about challenges, challenges that they face in life, whether it's in school, or whether it's with their job or sport or a marriage or their children or, or, or finances or whatever it may be. How many times do people come to you and they talk to you? They, maybe they trust you in the confidence to, to share some struggles or some challenges. Anyone ever have that? Have people come up and talk to you? How about this? How many times do you go up to someone? Maybe you go up to somebody and you open up and maybe you just open up your heart and maybe you share with somebody um, some challenges that you have in life. Maybe you share with somebody some difficulties that you face in your marriage or some difficulties that you face with your job or your career or financially or, got, or in sports or in school. But here's the reality. We should be on both sides of the spectrum. We should always be willing to listen to someone's struggles. We should always be willing to listen to someone's difficulties, to listen to their challenges. And we too should be a people that, that's open. God, here's the reality, guys. We need just to take off the mask. How many of you know what I'm talking about when I say that? When we come into church, we think we got to have it all together, right? We got to make sure we have on our button up shirt, maybe our tie. We got to look on the outside. We got to look like everything's perfect. We got to make sure we have a perfect family, that our kids are, are behaving great. We have the perfect marriage. Our finances are in great shape. Um, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. You know, there's a lot of times we we think like we got to just put that out there for people to look at us. We think, well, if I'm a Christian, you know, that I got to make sure I have everything together. Thank you, brother. All right, now we can preach. But 
guys, I, th- I think we as a people should just remove the mask. We should just take it off and say, you know what? We live in a broken world. We have broken systems. We have broken people, broken marriages, broken finances. None of us are perfect. None is righteous. So Romans 3.10 says there is no, not one person that's right on their own. None. Not even one. How many of you know we should just, we just need to come to that point where we we'll walk in and we'll say, listen, here I am. This is what I got. This is what I'm dealing with. This is what I'm struggling with. Take it or leave it. I just want to pursue Jesus. I don't have it all figured out. But man, I just want to do everything I can to pursue the one who does have it figured out. Can I get a witness from somebody in the house? This morning, title of the sermon is Three Circles. Three circles. I can wrap up Christianity in three simple circles. I want you to look at the screen. The first one is God's design. You know, when people come up to you and they say, man, I'm struggling with this. You know, I'm struggling. I have, I have problems at home. I have problems with my finances. I have problems with my marriage. I have problems with my family. I'm having struggles and issues personally. I have addictions. I have struggles. I have temptations. I have pain. I have hurt. I have heartache. You know, the first thing we should do is tell people, well, hey, listen up. You know what? It hasn't always been that way. It hasn't always been that way. They'll be intrigued. And I hope you're intrigued this morning. Because life hasn't always been with struggles. Life hasn't always been a bunch of heartaches. Life hasn't always been a bunch of headaches and, and disease and struggles and temptations and addictions. Life hasn't always been that way. Here's the reality, guys. It's God's design. Y'all like that, don't you? Little laser pointer. I'm going old school, middle school, baby. Laser pointer. God's design is for us to walk with him. I don't know if you, if you remember Genesis chapter 1, but in verse 31 of Genesis 1, the Bible says that God created man in his own image, right? In verse 26, he created man, male and female uh, to worship him, to live for him. To, in, their, in his image and in his likeness, we have the, some characteristics that God said we were made in his likeness. And the Bible says in Genesis 1.31 that God looked at all that he created. God looked at everything that he had made. You know what he said? It's very good. Not just good. It's good. It's very good. Very, very good. That's what God said that his creation was. It was perfect. Everything was perfect. There was an environmental relationship between, between man and the earth, between the man and woman and the environment. There was perfect harmony between Adam and Eve and the animals. Nobody was killing each other. Nobody was harming each other. It was a perfect relationship. It was perfect harmony. And then there was a, a, a social relationship between Adam and Eve. Their relationship was perfect. Right? Their relationship was perfect. There was no arguing. And all the married people in the house said, yeah, right. But there was no arguing between Adam and Eve. There was no bickering. There was no backbiting. There was no nagging. There was no complaints. Everything was perfect between Adam and Eve. Why? Because that was God's design. It was a perfect plan. It was a perfect place. There was no arguing between them. And there was a theological relationship between man and God. Thea, meaning God, it was a theological relationship. The study, that's what theology is, the study of God. Adam and Eve, they were in communication with God. They, they had a perfect relationship. How many of you guys know that we don't have a perfect relationship with God today? We don't. We struggle, right? We doubt God. We don't put our trust in Him like we should. Like we, should. We, we, we have doubts and fears and struggles and temptations. But, but in the original plan, that was God's design. There was no struggle. There was no difficulty. There was no problems. There were no issues, God has a design for everything. I mean, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans not to harm you, but plans to prosper you, to give you a hope and to give you a future. God has a plan for your marriage. He's got a plan for your family. He's got a plan for your education. God's got a perfect plan for your finances. He's got a perfect plan for your relationships with your coworkers or your relationship with your husband, with your wife. Every area in our life, God has a design. We can look at creation. And we can see the complexity of the earth. We can see the complex. Look at this building, for example. 
Look at the architecture of this building. Look at all the different shapes and all the different measurements that had to be taken. Look at every single brick, every single light, every single acoustic panel. You can tell by the look of this building because of its architecture and its engineering, you can tell that this building had a designer. Somebody had to draw out a blueprint for this building because there was a designer. The complexity of the earth, the complexity of the human body just screams and shouts out, there was a designer. Somebody had to, this thing that called life didn't just happen. This thing, the complexity of the human body, it didn't just happen. It didn't evolve over millions or billions of years. There had to be an intricate, detailed blueprint. There had to be a designer, and that is our creator God. God has a design for every area of our life, every avenue of our life. God has a design. He has a perfect purpose. But sometimes in life, we want to make our own decisions, don't we? Sometimes in life we say, well, you know what, God, I get it. You have a design for my marriage, but I'm going to try to do it my way. God, I I get it. You have a design for my job and my career, my calling on my life. I get it, but I think I'm going to do what I want to do with my calling. I'm going to think I'm going to create my own calling. God, I get it. You have a plan and you have a purpose for me and my relationships with my coworkers, but I'm going to do things my way because when I bring you up at at work, they don't really like me a whole lot, so I'm just going to witness to them on my time schedule, right? We all kind of go our separate way. You know what the Bible calls this? Going our separate way. It's called sin. It's called sin. That's what we do when it's when it's we are separating ourselves from God. We're saying, you know what, God, I get it. You got a design. I understand, God, you have a plan for my life. You have a design, but I'm going to go my own way. And see, we are separated from God from birth because of our sin. Psalm 51, verses 2 through 5, the psalmist David says, Surely when I was conceived in my mother's womb, I was yet a sinner. The moment that you were conceived, you were considered a sinner, myself included. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 says, We were dead in our trespasses and in our sins, in the way we used to live according to the world. Dead, no life in us, spiritually speaking. You were dead in your trespasses and your sin. It goes on to say that we were an object of God's wrath. You know, no one has to teach you how to sin. It just comes natural. I used to work at a little place called Small World Day Camp. And uh, during the summertime, I was Coach Dave. That's what I was playing with the kids. I do Bible studies. I play games with them. And at the end of the day, we would go swimming. And in between the game time and the swimming time, we would have a lunch break. And at this lunch break, we all sat down under the shaded tree and on the picnic tables. And I remember one afternoon, we all sat down. Everybody got out their lunch boxes, and we were getting ready to say the blessing so that we could eat. And I realized, uh uh-oh. Coach Day, I, I, le- I left my, my lunchbox in my truck. So I told all the kids, I said, don't pray, don't eat, I'll be right back. So I went to my truck, uh, just a few steps over, not far at all. I grabbed my lunch, and I came back, and I sat down at the picnic table. And I said, all right. And I put my, my lunchbox there, unzipped it, got everything ready. I said, all right. And I went to go call on this kid named Cody. I said, all right, Cody, will you pray? And I looked at Cody, and Cody had a Cheeto stash all up on his mouth. Looked like he made out with a bag of Cheetos. I said, Cody, I said, what are you doing? He said, Nothing? What, Coach Dave? I said, I was about to call on you to pray. I said, I told y'all not to eat. I said, did you eat? He said, mm-mm. I said, Cody, did you eat? He said, mm-mm. I said, Cody, you were lying to me, you snotty-nosed little, you know, and I started going off on him, right? I said, I asked you not to eat. I told, See, no one had to teach Cody to lie to me. We were standing in line. Me and my wife went to Disney World last year. We were standing in line at Disney World getting ready. We were with our buddy Dylan. He got us in free, and we were standing in line um, at a show called The Mermaid. And we were standing in line right there, and there was all these little kids, whatever, and, and I was just talking to Catherine and Dylan. We were just talking. All of a sudden, and I turned around, and there was this big, large guy standing behind, big, big guy. And I was like, What's up? You know, I just kind of ignored it. Went on, started talking. All of a sudden again, I turned around. All of a sudden, I saw her hair. It was a little girl, blonde hair. And she was whoo, getting behind her daddy. So I was like, all right, 
I'm going to play this. Okay, let's do it. Let's go. You know, let's go time. So I turn around, and about five seconds, I and I turn around, and she was like, huh. she was mid-kick. And I said, you've been kicking me. She said, uh-uh. I said, why are you kicking me, little girl? And the dad's like, what would you say to my daughter? I said, dude, I'll go get security. You know, your girl is kicking. No one had to teach that girl to lie. No one had to teach that little boy to, to kick. No one has to teach you how to steal, kill, destroy, to make up stuff. Weegers is natural. You don't have to teach kids how to lie, how to steal, how to be mean. They come naturally out of the box that way. Brand new packages. They just mean. Snotty nosed little kids. You and I were the same way. No one has to teach us how to sin. So we are separated from God because of our sin. We're all guilty. Not a single one of us can exempt out of, oh man, I'm just a good old guy from Thomaston, right? I'm a good old girl. I don't do drugs. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not a prostitute and I don't do, I'm just a good old kid. You lie, you cheat, you steal, you go against God's plan for your life. That's the Bible calls that sin. We all have done it. We're all guilty of it. We all go against God's design. We all do. Romans 5:12 says that sin entered the world through one man, therefore all have sinned. Sin entered the world through one man, Adam and Eve, through one relationship. Sin entered the world, therefore now all have sinned. We're all guilty of this sin. We all are. We are separated from God's design. His original intention for our life, for us to walk with him, have relationship with him, we're, we're guilty of doing our own thing. And you know what that leads to? It leads to brokenness. Each and every one of us are living right now a broken life, broken family, broken system, a broken life, a broken earth. Everything about this place is broken. We're all, because of our sin, because we're guilty of our sin, we live in a state of brokenness. We do. It's just how it is. Romans 3.23, little Cody. Didn't y'all enjoy Cody's prayer? Amen. Goodness gracious, that boy's going to be a preacher. It's just awesome. He quoted in his, in, his, in his prayer, he quoted Romans 3.23. He says, for we all have sinned, right? And we all fall short. That's a continual process. We all sin and we all fall short of the glory of God. And he also quoted this, Romans 6.23. He says, for the wages, notice for the payment, the wages of your sin is what? Death. That's what you and I deserve because of our being separated from God. We're now living in a state of brokenness and we deserve that because of the choices that we have made. We deserve to be broken. We, we have this state of brokenness, and, and now we're just looking for a way out. And that's what all these lines represent, because none of us likes to be broken, but that's where sin gets us. It gets us to a broken life, and we try to fix things on our own, and we realize, man, life's just not going how I wanted it to. Anybody ever thought that? Man, life's just not going the way I planned it. Life's just not happening the way I thought it would happen. I thought that we would, I'd be at this point in my life, or I thought I would be doing this at this point in my life. And life, it hits us in the face, and we realize that we're broken, but we don't like to be broken. Therefore, we're looking for a way out. We're all looking for a way, a way to escape this brokenness. That's what these lines represent. We're all trying to figure out a way just to kind of cope with our brokenness, to escape our brokenness, to try to fix our brokenness. And that's where things like alcoholism come into play. According to the NCADD, more than 20 million Americans today are alcoholics with no plans of changing. You know, the thing about alcohol is when you get drunk, you kind of forget about everything, right? You forget about your state of brokenness. You know, you use that as a way out to try to escape reality. You know, I, if I could just just kind of just cut loose for a moment and just kind of forget about my, my horrible finances, if I could just cut loose for a moment and forget about my horrible marriage, if I could just kind of do something just to escape a little while from my horrible life, I'll do anything just to kind of escape this brokenness that I'm in. And that's what this first line represents. What about alcoholism? And people just drinking their lives away and all all they want is just a way out. 
They're just trying to cope with it. But you know, 83% of alcoholics suffer, for, suffer from severe depression. Did you know that? So your brokenness and, and trying to reach out and trying to cope with your brokenness and yourself, you don't know who you are in Christ. You don't have a purpose. You don't have a plan. You don't have a will. You don't have a way because you don't know Christ. And you're just trying to do anything you can to get it to escape, to forget about that, to try to find another way out, to deal with this brokenness. And 83% of alcoholics suffer from depression. And it's just going to lead in a vicious cycle. Just a vicious cycle. I'm trying to get out, but all I'm doing is hurting myself. All I'm doing is just hurting my family. Because the reality is, guys, when you fall, you always take somebody down with you. I don't care what sin it is you're struggling with. You say, David, it's just my sin. It's just me. No one else knows about it. Yeah, they do. People know you out. People, they're going to figure you out. They're going to, it's going to hurt your family. It's going to hurt your kids. It's going to hurt your marriage. Next one, what about drugs? The NSDU Society says 25 million Americans are weekly drug users trying to maybe get high to escape the reality of, man, I'm just a broken person. I know I need Christ, but there's got to be some other way I can just cope with this. There's got to be some other way I can just kind of erase this this horrible pit that I'm in in my sin. I just want to kind of escape it for a little while. If I just could just maybe get high and just kind of just kind of forget about my brokenness for a little while, if I could just kind of cope with it or try to fix it. But the reality is, again, you always affect people around you. You're going to affect your family. You're going to affect your spouse, your kids, your co-workers. When you fall, you always take somebody down with you. Another one is success. What about this one? Success. I don't know if y'all have seen the movie War Room. Has anybody seen that movie yet? War Room? A few people in the back. It was good, wasn't it? I encourage you all to go see it. But there's a guy, I'm not going to spoil it for you, but there's this guy, and that's his exact struggle in life. He is a broken individual because of his sin, and his way out of his brokenness is to try to be a great successor at work. All he wants to do, he will drive himself to death to try to succeed in his job, to try to succeed and gain that next promotion. Everybody's hungry for more money. Uh, you can lie all you want to, but everybody's hungry for promotion. Everybody is hungry to be successful. Everybody is hungry for that. So that will drive some people mad trying to succeed in life so they can gain, gain these high accolades. But yet all the time, like on the movie, this guy's gaining promotion after promotion after promotion at work. He's gaining lots of accolades, lots of recognition, gaining a lot more money, a lot more salary. He's being successful, but he's losing his family at home. He's, he's, being, he's a successor at work, but he's a failure at the house because he has strived so hard and so long to be successful. And he knows in, in his mind that he's, he's really just chasing after this dream, but the reality is it's a broken dream. He wants more money. He wants to be successful, but he's leaving his family behind. And the more hours he spends at work or the less amount of hours he spends at home. And it's hurting his family. It's hurting his kids. I encourage you to go see that movie. But that's, that's one. The Bible says, what is it to gain the whole world, right? What is it to gain the whole world but to forfeit your own soul, to lose your soul, right? We'll get Toby Mac to sing that next time. Love. The next one, check this one out. Love. You say, David, love is a good thing. You're right, love is a good thing. The Bible, 1 John says, God is what? Love. The Bible says God is love. So, David, how can love be an escape for your brokenness? I'll tell you why. Because you're looking for love in all the wrong places. You're looking for love, in essence, to help fill that void in your heart. Check this out. You have a God-sized hole in your heart that only God can fill. Only God can fill. You have a God-sized hole in your heart that only God can fill. But we go and we run 90 miles an hour left, 90 miles an hour right, doing everything we can, going pillar to post, running, 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 trying to succeed in life, trying to escape reality, trying to do all this stuff. 
And the reality is we're trying to fill this God-sized hole in our heart with the things of this world. And guess what? It ain't never going to fill it up. How many of you can be a witness and test that? You've tried it all. You've tried it all, right? I've done it all. I've tried it all. Nothing seems to give me peace. Nothing seems to give me hope. And I'll tell you why. It's because you're looking for love in all the wrong places. That brokenness, because see, here's the thing. And y'all that are, you know, maybe in a new relationship, you know, you have all these warm fuzzies. You're like, mm, I love you. Oh, I love you too, baby. You know, and you're just constantly, oh, you just, oh I know you. You know, you're just in that little goo-goo stage. You're like, oh, my gosh, everything's great. And you kind of escape reality for a little while. It's like that when you first get married, you know. And you just kind of escape where you don't care about nothing. You don't care. You're on your honeymoon. I don't care if I didn't pay my house payment today. I'm on my honeymoon. You know, you just kind of escape reality for a little while. When's the power bill due? I don't know. <laughs> I'm with you. You know, it don't matter. You my electricity. You know, I don't care about power bill at the house. I'm living off of love, baby. You know, y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. And we kind of we look for love in all these wrong places. And that that feeling that we have is kind of escapes that feeling that we don't have with God. If we don't have that connection with God, we don't have that love relationship with God, we're going to be looking for it in somebody else. We will. We will be looking for that. Because why? Because we long to have a love relationship. Every person in this room does. We long to be loved. We do. We want to be loved. We want to be needed. We want to be wanted. We want to be cherished. Every person in this room does. And instead of running to God, we run to mankind. We run to the things of this world. And you know what it does? It's a vicious cycle. All it does is lead to more brokenness. Why? Because check this out. If you're looking for love in all these other places instead of looking for love for God, from God, now you're hooked up with this person over here, and guess what? You're broken, and they're broken. So you got two broken people who have unconfessed sin, who, don't, who aren't right with God, and you're trying to make things work, you're trying to work it out, but you have two broken people living in a broken system and a broken relationship. What do you think is going to happen? You're going to have a broken home. Your kids are going to live broken lives because you've never, you've never dealt with sin. This, this is the thing that has to be addressed. We have to address sin. Sin cannot go being unaddressed. We have to address sin. So these all these reasons why we try to cope with our brokenness and look for love in all the wrong places. And we get to a point finally, hopefully, where we realize nothing in this world is going to satisfy me. Nothing in this world can, can make me feel whole. Nothing in this world can give me the identity that I long for, that I need. Nothing is working. I've tried it all. I've tried drugs. I've tried alcohol to escape my brokenness. I've done everything I can uh, try to be successful in life, but I still feel like a failure when I lay my head down at night and I know in my heart that, I, that something's wrong. I've looked for love, and I've had these, all these relationships, but nothing seems to really sit well with me when it comes to my security as a person and filling me up. So after all this mess of brokenness, we finally come to the realization that there's got to be a remedy. There has to be a remedy. There has to be some good news. Can I introduce you to the gospel? Check this one out right here. The gospel, which is the good news of Christ. That's the, the gospel is just a fancy word for good news. By the way, it's not good advice. The gospel is not good advice. I can give you good advice, right? You can give me advice telling me what to do, but good news is just the opposite. I go tell people what has been done for me. I'm not get, telling you what to do. I'm telling you what God has done for you, and we should want to go and share the good news because we're living in a life of broken. Okay, I get it, David. You know, God's design, he had a perfect plan set out for me, but because of my sin, I have chosen to separate myself from a holy God. Therefore, I've been living in a state of brokenness, and I get it. There's some good news out there that Jesus, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever shall believe in him should not perish. Because check this out, you're going to perish. 
people, if you don't have, if you if you have not confessed your sin and believed in Christ as the Lord of your life, you will bust hell wide open. You will if you if you have unconfessed sin, because the Bible says that we have been separated. The wages of our sin is death. Ah, David McGuire deserve damnation. We, I deserve hell. I deserve destruction because of what I've done in my life. That's what I deserve. Praise be to God for Ephesians 2 verses 5 through 7 says, but God who is rich in mercy, aren't you glad God's filthy rich? He's filthy rich in mercy. He owns it all. And because of his mercy, he's made me alive. Jesus didn't come to make bad people good people. Jesus didn't come to make wrong people right people. Jesus came to make dead people living people. Someone shout amen. He has made us alive through Christ. God has made us alive through Christ. How do I get that, David? I understand I'm broken and I'm trying to fill this hole in my soul with all these things and I realize I'm separated from God. I get the remedy. There's got to be good news. There's got to be hope. How do I get to it? I'm glad you asked. The next thing is we must repent and we must believe on Jesus. That's the only hope that you have. That's the only hope you have, parents. That's the only hope you have, students. That's all the hope you got. You ever heard someone say that? Man, this is your only hope. Whether if it's, you know, you're putting somebody in, right? It's the last quarter or something. Like, you're like 10 seconds to, and you're, you're losing 62 to 60. You put in your star player. You're like, dude, you're our only hope. You got to shoot that three-pointer. You're our only hope. It's the same way I'm trying to tell you. Jesus, he's your only hope. He is the only way to God. Despite what the world says. You know that, 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 uh, <clears throat> losing my train of thought here. I need some water. <clears throat> and I need some oxygen. Someone go get me an oxygen tank. <coughs> I've been sick for like three days, so bless me. <coughs> Pray for me. That's why I said no one sit on the front row. <coughs> you don't want my showers of blessings. You don't want my, you know, <coughs> you don't want it. Religious experts in the world said there's 4,000 religions known in the world. 4,000 religions are known in the world. Well, guess what? 3,999 of them will send you straight to hell. The only thing that works, the only way, say, David, that's pretty narrow-minded. You're pretty narrow-minded. Yeah, you're doggone right I'm pretty narrow-minded because I believe in John 14, 6. Jesus said the words out of his mouth, I am the only way to God. I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I am the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through me. That's the words of Jesus. Yeah, I'm pretty narrow-minded. Yeah, I am. I'm pretty narrow-minded. But that's the only way is to repent and to believe. Aren't you glad for 2 Corinthians 5.21 that God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that you and I may be made right with God. God put his wrath on the person of Jesus Christ who did not. Jesus Christ was not sinful. He never lived in a life of brokenness. He was living the gospel. He lived his whole life according to God's design. So if anyone should deserve the uh, the accolades and should, should deserve the pat on the back, it should have been Jesus. But guess what? They crucified him and they nailed him to a cross. And Colossians 2.14 says that God took our certificate of debt, gave it to Jesus. Jesus took it away by nailing it to the cross. Aren't you glad about that? Your sins have been nailed to the cross. Your certificate of debt, which by the way, you could never afford. I owe thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on my house, on my school loan, on my truck. I don't know how I'm going to pay it. You parents know exactly, you adults know exactly what I'm talking about. Man, I'm still paying on my kids' college. Man, I house, man, I still a hundred grand on my house. Man, my truck, I'll never get my truck. You're like, how in the world do I, how in the world am I going to do this? 
That's how it is spiritually. We look at our life and say, man, I've done all these terrible things. Thousands and thousands and thousands of sins. Thousands upon thousands of thousands of negative words I've said. Ugly, dirty thoughts that I've thought. Meaning, meaning actions that I've done that have been against God's plan, against his way. I, how am I going to pay for all this, God? And God takes that certificate of debt and he gave it to Jesus. And Colossians 2 says Jesus took it away and paid for it, settled and done and nailed it to the cross. We look at our debt and guess what? It's been done. It's been paid for. Jesus signed it. It's done. It's over with. So the only way to get that freedom so that we can understand that the gift of God is eternal life. Aren't you glad for Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9? For it is by grace that you have been saved only through your faith. It is not of your own doing, but it is, it is a gift from God. It is a gift from God. So that it's not of work so that no one can boast. I don't care how much money you got in your banking account. You can't buy your way into heaven. You can't buy the gospel. You can't buy repentance. You can't. I don't care if you're a smooth talker. You can't beg your way into heaven. I don't care how much junky stuff you got. You can't bribe your way into heaven. Oh, Lord, I'll give you this, or I'll give you that, or I'll do this, or I'll do that. That's not how it works. The Bible said it's only by grace that you've been saved, through your faith. It is not of your own doing. It has nothing to do with you. It is a gift from God so that no one can boast. The only way that we get from our state of brokenness to the gospel is to repent and to believe as the band comes. To repent and to believe. Aren't you glad for Romans 10, 13, the most beautiful verse in the Bible for any unbeliever, any unbeliever, anything, any person that doesn't know Christ. Romans 10, 13. Whosoever, aren't you glad you are a whosoever, means anybody. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. At Small World, I was, I was being a lifeguard one day, and there was this young girl, and we made kids swim, uh, had this, uh, this test, swimming test, so that they could be approved to swim in the deep end. And she jumped into shallow end, and she was swimming through the deep end. And I, knew, I haven't seen her before. So I mean, she's a good swimmer. She's got this. I'm sitting there, got my sunglasses, I got my hat on, got my shoes, got my walkie-talkie on, got my whistle, my cell phone, everything. I'm just sitting there chilling because we hadn't really started yet. We do the swimming test before we let kids cut loose and start swimming. So the little girl is just swimming, and there's Miss Allison. She's over there, and she's on the walkie-talkie talking to Miss Sybil. And I'm just kind of walking up and down the pool as this girl's swimming. And I'll kind of look at Miss Allison for a second because she was trying to talk, say something to me. And this girl went under. And I was looking, and out of the corner of my eye, I saw this girl go under, and my heart just starts to beat out of my chest. And I'm sitting there going, oh, my gosh, what do I do? And I look at Miss Allison. She looks at me, and, and I just jump in with everything that I got. Walkie-talkie, keys, wallet, phone, whistle, hat, and sunglasses, everything. And the girl just, just reaches up out of the water, and she said, help help! And I'm sitting there and I jump in my halfway to the pool and I jump in and I'm swimming and I'm swimming as hard as I can and I, I haven't been officially trained yet so I just grabbed her by her waist and I was under the water and I just picked her up and I just started treading water and I'm just holding I'm posting her up out of the water. You know, you're supposed to do this and swim back and all this. I was just panicking and I just grabbed her and I just held her up and I'm sitting there just treading water and I'm just breathing in water and I'm just trying to hand her off and we put her up on the side. And here's the reality. You know what that word call means in the Greek? That word, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. It means to cry out. That's what that word means. To cry out in rescue. You and I were drowning, dead in our trespasses, in our sins. We're living in a state of brokenness because of our sin. And we have to call out, help, God, save me. 
That's what that means. We're drowning and we're dead in our sin. And God, who is rich in mercy, has reached down and he has saved you. And here's, you know, there's those t-shirts say, Jesus is my life preserver. I hate that. Jesus is not your life preserver. He didn't just throw some good luck charm. He didn't just throw the word at He jumped in. Jesus is my stinking lifeguard. He jumped into my sin. He's the one that took the payment. He took the punishment. And he set my feet on a rock. We have to believe in the gospel. We have to repent of our sin. There's two reasons why somebody will die and go to hell today. Did you know that 100,000 people die every day and go to hell? 100,000. That's somebody every two seconds. Every two seconds somebody's dying. How many of those people know the gospel? How many of those people have repented and believed? The only two reasons why someone will go to hell is they're guilty of unconfessed sin and they're guilty of unbelief. That is it. Those two reasons. They're guilty of unconfessed sin and they're guilty of unbelief. That's why. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Aren't you glad? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are been made new. Philippians 2, 14. God is working in you, enabling you to work out his good purpose. So the only way to get to the gospel is to repent and believe. And then what happens? We get back to God's design. If you have notes, if you have a pen or pencil, please write this down. Please draw this out. Please go home and memorize this. Christianity summed up in three circles. Once you repent and you believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ and you've given him your life, say, God, I surrender. I'm calling out to you for salvation. You then begin to live the gospel and recover and you pursue God's design for your life. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship. We are God's workmanship. In other words, we are a work in progress. You and I, we are a work in progress. Sanctification process, being made right, being made whole. Each and every day, God is, you're recovering from your sin, from your brokenness. You have repented and believed, and now you're trying to recover to get back to God's design for your life, to get back to God's purpose for your life. But Ephesians 2 says that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Check this out, that God has designed in advance for us to do. It's been his plan all along, all along. God's design. Every head bowed, every eye closed. So David, now what? Now what? I'll tell you now what. You look at your life and you ask this question, where do I fit in in this schematic? Which circle am I living in? Which arrow am I in right here, right now? What is it? Am I living according to God's design? Am I living in sin? Am I trying to escape my brokenness? Have I received the gospel? Do I even believe? How about a self-exam right here, right now, and ask yourself this. What's standing in the way between me and a holy God? What is standing in the way between me and a holy God? Immediately, something popped in everyone's head. That's what you need to lay down at this altar. That's exactly what you need to come right here, right now, while I'm talking. If something popped in your head, what's standing in the way between you and God? You need to come to this altar right here, right now, and give it over to him. Nothing magical about coming down here. Is resembling coming and laying this at the feet of Jesus. He's taken your debt. He's paid it because you can never afford it. Neither could I. He took a beating that you and I could never endure. So where are you at this morning? Which circle are you living in? Have you received the gospel? 
say, David, that sounds great. And I get it. My heart's about to pound out of my chest. The whole time I'm sitting there playing my life and pictures are flashing before my eyes and I see exactly where I fit in and I am broken. And I'm trying to escape my brokenness and I've never given my life over to Christ. Would you right here, right now, put this in your own words. Say, dear Lord Jesus, come into my life. I confess my sin to you. Come into my heart and save me. And I promise to live all my days for you. If you prayed that and you meant every single word of it without any hesitation, just lift your hand right here, right now. No one's looking around. Amen, young lady. I see you. Praise God, young sir. Yes, sir. Praise God. Anybody else? Prayed and accepted Christ in their life for the very first time. What about you, Christian? What about you? You know you've saved. You know that you're a Christ follower. You know what it is? Now, since you are according to God's design, you've repented, you've believed, you're trying to recover, and you're trying to pursue Jesus. Guess what? God's calling you back to those who are broken. God's calling you back to the prison cell. God's calling you back to the crack house. God's calling you back to the street corner. God's calling you back to those people that you used to be, the people you used to hang around with, now to help them, point them to Jesus so they can have the gospel, so they can realize that they're just living in a broken life a broken system and a broken dreams filled with broken people and you got to give the gospel to them so if you're a Christian and someone is popping in your mind right here right now and you know they're broken would you come down and would you pray for them would you cry out to a holy God and say Lord I know somebody who's broken I know somebody who's living in sin and Lord I want to lift them up to you because God I know you want to use me to be the person that tells them about Jesus that tells them about the gospel praise God for these students coming down to pray for their friends what about you adult what about you parents would you come and pray ask God to equip you and to challenge you and to give you the words to say to that person who is broken let's stand and let's worship